Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, Exploring the National Defense Authorization Act, sponsored by K2 Integrity. This week, I visit with Chip Ponce, who is the global co-head of the K2 Integrity Financial Crimes Risk Management Practice and a member of K2 Integrity's board. He co-founded the Financial Integrity Network in 2014, which merged with K2 Intelligence in 2019. The combined firm announced its new name, K2 Integrity, in November 2020. From 2002 to 2013, Chip served as the inaugural director of the Office of Strategic Policy for Terrorist Financing and Financial Crimes and a senior advisor at the U.S. Department of Treasury. Prior to K2 Integrity, Chip also served as HSBC's Interim Head of Financial Crimes Compliance for Mexico and the Latin American region, assisting in the development and implementation of an enterprise-wide financial crimes compliance program adherent to global standards. I'm also joined by Gail Fuller. Gail is a Managing Director at K2 Integrity. She leads the teams, providing advisory support to a wide variety of clients, including foreign governments, financial institutions, and fintech firms, helping them navigate the complex challenges relating to compliance with anti-money laundering, combating the financing of terrorism regulations, U.S. and international sanctions, and bribery and anti-corruption laws. Gail spent nearly eight years with the U.S. federal government focused on combating illicit finance. Over this five-part series, we will break down the changes to the Bank Secrecy Act and changes in enforcement to authority to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, which are found in the recently passed National Defense Authorization Act. Topics include breaking down the big picture, company formation reform, new opportunities under this new law, coming changes to corporate governance under the NDAA, and taking the long view of the new law. This is one of the most significant new laws around banks, bank secrecy in nearly 20 years. They will apply to financial institutions and a wide variety of others going forward. In this episode two, I'm joined by Chip Ponce again, and we take up the issue of company formation reform. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for our continuing discussion on the exploration of the National Defense Authorization Act and most specifically the changes to the Bank Secrecy Act and FinCEN around financial institutions. Today, I have back with me Chip Ponce, and we're going to take up uh, company formation reform, revisiting the Know Your Customer and Due Diligence. Chip, first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome back. Tom, so great to be back with you and, and really excited to talk about company formation reform. This is an issue near and dear to my heart, and I know you have a lot of listeners that have been tracking this issue I'm sure for for decades, as this has been on congressional radar for um, since at least 9/11, and, and really even beforehand, and it's great to see us get over the finish line. So excited to talk to you about it. And I know I've said this before, but this is probably the area that I see the most applicable to literally every type of compliance, and every compliance practitioner, no matter what your specific discipline, not only should celebrate this, but take many of the principles that have now been enshrined in the new law and bring them into your compliance program going forward. So with that, what do you see as the new expectations, Chip? Let me start, if I can, Tom, with with the problem, <laughs> because it's it's shocking to me as somebody who's been in this space forever that the problem is not universally understood until I remember that what I do for a living is different than what most people do for a living. So <clears throat> just to back this up for a minute, 
um, as I often have to do at the at the dinner table when I start rambling about work and my wife or my kids will say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> it may be useful to back up and just tell the listeners that uh, this this issue of company information reform begins with a recognition that bad guys who want to use our financial system don't like to tell us who they are. So they will more often than not uh, dress up in the form of a legal entity um, whose ownership is not understood um, and therefore get access to, fu- to financial services, um, markets, and, and relationships that they otherwise would not. Um, effectively, companies have become an anonymizing um, technique for illicit actors of all stripes. And we know this. Over the past 20 plus years of congressional hearings, we've had everyone um, from law enforcement to national security, um, domestic, abroad, here and in other financial markets, um, describe the abuse of legal entities to mask illicit actors and activities and prevent our financial institutions who are charged with understanding and managing these risks from, from, from understanding these threats that, that will access their institutions and through them our financial system. That has been a, a, an extraordinary challenge. And as you mentioned, Tom, not unique to, to money laundering, but really across the full range of threats that we face. And it, it doesn't matter if you're talking about um, individuals and and organizations from terrorism to to uh, corrupt actors to human rights abusers to to state actors that may be stealing state secrets or maybe engaging in in, in grand acts of of um, of um, IP theft or or um, or uh, or just rogue activity, including um, unauthorized proliferation of WMD materials, et cetera. Um, to to uh, to to just name a few of of the abuses that we've seen in the past. So so an effort to clean up. Um, our company information process so that we understand the interest behind those that are creating companies um, using our, our authorities um, has been um, a, an objective of almost everyone that I can think of interested in combating illicit finance because it's a common denominator, whether you're going after terrorist groups or proliferators or corrupt actors, et cetera, that they all use our companies as a way of anonymizing um, uh, themselves. And, and this act, uh, as part of um, the AML reforms adopted in the NDAA, um, will change that. Happy to talk to you about how, but that's the problem that we're trying to solve and why, why so many of us have been, have been pushing this for so long. <clears throat> well, uh, how do we do that? So the, the antidote to anonymous companies is to understand who ultimately owns or controls these companies. And that seems pretty straightforward. It's known by uh, the nerds in the space, of which I'm proudly one, as beneficial ownership. Uh, The beneficial ownership of a company is different than the legal ownership or the nominal ownership of a company. Um, To to illustrate that, think about a company, ABC Company. And if if you're a bad guy, if you're Tony Soprano and you you don't want people to know that you own ABC Company, then maybe what you do is you set up an XYZ trust or um, an LMNOP company, and then that company owns the ABC Company. So if you want to know who owns ABC Company, you got to go to LMNOP Company. Um, well, if that sounds confusing, it is. <laughs> this is just the beginning of trying to be an investigator to understand you know, who's behind ABC Company. Beneficial ownership cuts through any of these intermediary holding companies and gets to the two-legged person, the individual, natural person at the end of the day, or persons who ultimately own or control the company. That concept is beneficial ownership. And what this law does is it requires for anyone forming a company in the United States um, with a number of exceptions that we can talk about to disclose um, the beneficial owner or owners of that company or those companies. 
So you can no longer get a company in the United States for purposes of masking um, the interests um, uh, behind uh, behind the company. That's that's the intent of the law. How you do that gets a lot more complicated. It, it is from uh, from a conceptual perspective, um, a person applying for a company has to disclose the beneficial owner or owners and has to keep that information current. Um, and they disclose that by sending a report to FinCEN, our, our financial intelligence unit, uh, as part of the Treasury Department, which will then maintain a database of all these companies, their beneficial owners, and uh, disclose that information to um, law enforcement, um, national security authorities, and if uh, if necessary, financial institutions who may be inquiring about the beneficial ownership of their customers. Um, that's in short what this what what this what this law does. And again, the how part gets a lot more complicated in detail. How do you suggest companies either begin to prepare or even think through preparing for this new law? Is it simply hiring a more sophisticated uh, due diligence investigative service? Is it refocusing internally? Uh, what they're looking for, how how can we help companies really even at this point in time begin to get ready for this new law? Well, we've argued for a long time, Tom, that that, that companies won't have to do a lot um, to prepare for this new law unless, they're, uh, unless they are hiding their beneficial owners, which is something that um, uh, is hard to understand why companies would do that internally, externally. The, the sensitivity of that information has been debated. Um, but internally, companies should should understand who owns them, <laughs> and so, and not just um, as a matter of of the next in line, the the holding company or the holding company, the holding company. But ultimately, who are the individuals who own us? Um, you know, that's something that every company should understand. Um, uh, and, and so, um, uh, if you are a company um, in, in in formed under under uh, the laws of our states now, you will have. Uh, based on rules that the, that the Treasury uh, has, has to issue, you will have to disclose your, your beneficial owners um, defined in, in the law itself um, as uh, a natural person who owns or controls the company. Now, that definition itself is going to be subjected to rulemaking. And the good news is that we've done this before in a different arena for, for financial institutions that have similar requirements to understand the beneficial owners of their legal entity customers. But if you're a company, you're already doing this to meet the requirements of any U.S. financial institution that you open an account with. So if you're a bank and you you onboard a, a U.S. company, you're already required to ask that company and to obtain beneficial ownership information from that company. Um, similarly, if you were to open up a bank account in foreign financial centers based on global standards that we've promulgated and been a part of as a uh, global financial system for several years, banks all over the world will be will be required and expected to understand and obtain beneficial ownership information from their legal entity customers. So as a company in existence now, unless you're not interested in, in having a, a bank account, and it's hard to imagine conducting business without having access to financial services, then you're already going to be required to produce this information to your financial institution. What you're now required to do is to also produce it um, in the in this in in the country where you are incorporated, in, in the United States, obviously that would be, as I mentioned, um, by filing a report to, to the Treasury Department of FinCEN. In other countries, you would have similar requirements. Um, and I'll, I'll pause in a second here, Tom, but this is an important point. Um, when, as a company, uh, you have your beneficial ownership information to get financial services, and now in order to to obtain the company itself to actually create the company, you're going to have to disclose beneficial ownership information and keep it current. Um, 
it introduces a, a question about the consistency or the relationship between financial institutions that have this obligation and um, companies that will be disclosing this information to financial institutions, and then jurisdictional authorities that create these companies in the first instance. And how um, aligned uh, should these efforts be? And, and, and the short answer is, ideally, that they should be um, as similar as possible. But they won't necessarily be identical because the interests are a little bit different. And, and so here's where it will be interesting in the rulemaking that Treasury will be pushing um, to implement this requirement, how much that rulemaking is um, informed by and, and um, identical to beneficial ownership disclosure requirements for companies seeking to open a bank account in the United States. Um, and my hope is that it is substantially similar so that a company understands, okay, a beneficial owner from my financial institution is the same as a beneficial owner that I have to report to, to the authorities um, and maintaining and keeping that information current, that it's basically identical requirements. Um, where it starts to differ is how that information is used and who has access to it. Um, and the most important point is that if you're a financial institution and you're obtaining that information now, you can rely on your customer's representation as to who the beneficial owner is. And that's really important because if a financial institution had to um, go verify um, from the company registry or from, uh, from the federal government now, um, that the beneficial owner their customer discloses is the same one they've disclosed to, to FinCEN or, or to, 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 uh, to some incorporating authority. That would substantially expand the burden on financial institutions. And there may be instances in which a financial institution may want to do that. They may say, look, in this particular instance, the company that I've onboarded is one that's, that, that I've got a lot of questions about their beneficial ownership. And I'm not really sure that, that, that what they've told me is accurate. You know, there may be instances where you want to go verify that information, but that should be by far exceptional and not the rule. And so I just want to, I wanted to flag this because it, this is an area that has been um, uh, identified historically as, as a key concern for um, financial institutions that already have the obligation to obtain beneficial ownership information to not introduce a new verification requirement in effect, um, because this information is now going to be reported also um, at a federal level. Jim, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics or information you've uh, discussed in this podcast, where could they go? So I mentioned in our in our last uh, get-together, Tom, this, this fantastic platform called Dolphin, which is the dedicated online financial integrity network that uh, you can subscribe to. Um, we will have a, a section on Dolphin that deals with the implementation of the AML reform provisions of the NDAA. Uh, and certain, and as it sits now, we have, we have a lot of information around uh, company formation, uh, 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 disclosure requirements um, under global standards, what will be happening under U.S. requirements with, with these reforms, and how they relate to um, customer due diligence obligations of financial institutions. So I would suggest going there. Um, it's a self-interest because that's a platform that we have that we've created for the market. And um, we have uh, monthly webinars um, to respond to questions that any subscribers may have, including with respect to, to the new requirements under the NDAA. So I would strongly suggest going there. And, and, if, and if you get lost, you can always find us at k2integrity.com. Chip, this has been a fascinating exploration, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Integrity Matters, exploring the National Defense Authorization Act. 
I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. Please check out the great resources provided by K2 Integrity, which are listed on the show notes, their website, and the new Dolphin site. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, sponsored by K2 Integrity.